Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Coffee with Jesus. Today, I want to speak about a really bad combination of two things. When these two things come together, it's like throwing petrol on top of a fire. It's not a good idea. So the title for today is simply a bad combo. If you're new to our podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. For all of you who tune in week in and week out, again, thank you so much for tuning in today. As far as possible, we release this podcast every Tuesday. And the point is simply for us to grab a cup of coffee or tea or perhaps while you're at gym, driving your kids to school or on your way to work, let's just spend some time together, 10, 15 minutes, just speaking about something, anything that may help us become more like Jesus. So if you have not yet done so, please subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you're on, whether it's Spotify or Apple uh, Podcasts, and let's dive into today's session. As I mentioned up front, we're speaking about this idea of a bad combination. Uh, to set the scene a little bit, let me paint a, a bit of the picture of where we find ourselves in Scripture. At the end of 1 Samuel chapter 7, we see Israel in a really good position. The Philistines have just been defeated by the army of Israel. The ark of God is back where it should be. And they're being judged by arguably one of the greatest men in their history, Samuel. Samuel works on this process where he gets around to all the different areas in Israel. He judges, it's fair, and Israel are prospering. They're doing really, really well. And you would think with all this going on for them that this could be the foundation or the platform for generational success and prosperity. But what happens is it doesn't even last one generation. Samuel's sons fall into the exact same trap as Eli's sons, the predecessor for Samuel. They use the authority they have, they use their power to manipulate, and the bottom line is they just, they, they're unjust, they are corrupt. And this is the context that starts when Samuel chapter 8 begins. The context describes corrupt leadership, and the outcome is that the people reject not just Samuel's son's leadership, but Samuel's leadership. And they basically say, we want a king like everyone else has. Now we know how much this hurts Samuel. If you've never read the story, he goes to God and complains and he prays. And we see that God says, don't worry, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. However, this is only half the story. Toward the end of the eighth chapter, we see the second reason why the people want a king. So the first reason why they want a king is because they see the corruption in Samuel's sons. But then in verse 20 of the eighth chapter, we see the people say that they want to be like all the other nations with a king who goes out and fights for them and judges over them. So what does this have to do with the bad combination? What are we talking about here? In this scenario, we see people combine two things. And this narrative in, in 1 Samuel 7 and 8, we see the coming together, the, the, the combination of these two things, corruption and comparison. Corruption and comparison. When we respond to this combination out of the natural, we tend to run away from God instead of towards God. Instead of running to God, we, we kind of run and we try to make our own plans because we are comparing ourselves to others and we're rejecting the corruption in our own ranks. In many places in our world today, corruption is more than just a theory or a concept. It's the reality of what people live with every single day. Here in South Africa, we're constantly reading news reports of corruption in every sector of society from government to business, sports, and even schools. This corruption impacts every single sector of society from our basic infrastructure to our highest levels of leadership. It's so severe that it even impacts our economy and our exchange rate with other nations. At this point, corruption is more 
um, in a system, it's more systematic than it is attached to an individual. And again, I know in many places around the world, this is true for you as well. It might look different and it might affect certain groups of people more than others, but it seems as though everyone in our world deals with corruption at some level. Therefore, if corruption is part and parcel of what's going on in this world, how we respond to it and what we combine it with is important. This is an important question. We not only live in a world of corruption, but we live in a world very much of comparison, almost like never before. We know that comparison has always been part of the human condition. From Cain and Abel right through to today, comparison is, is part of our world. It's part of who we are as a species. We compare the house we live in to those who live in bigger houses. We compare the cars we drive to those who drive better cars. We compare our clothes, our statuses, our experiences and qualifications, our jobs and our titles, and we compare them with other people. <coughs> we compare how we look, how strong we are, how mentally tough we are, how skilled we are, the abilities we have, because we want to know where we stand. We've spoken about this recently. This is this thing called social comparison. We have a biological need to figure out where we fit in any community and in any setting. <coughs> Excuse me. So what I'm saying here is that comparison and corruption are part of everything we do and it's part of our world. It's part of the fabric of this, of this world. The danger is in allowing these two things to come together and to speak into who we are. Here's the reason why this is so dangerous, and we see it in the eighth chapter of 1 Samuel. When the people looked around and saw corrupt leadership, and when they looked at other nations and saw that they, what, what they thought was a better form of government with kings, their initial reaction was to ask for something new. They wanted something different. They wanted to be more like other nations and less like the corrupt version that they had become. And so they pushed for something brand new. Now, I'm not against change. I'm not against the new. But what is interesting is they didn't go back to first principles. Think about that. They were at a place of prosperity. They were at a place where things were going well, and they didn't go back to what had worked. They were looking for what seemed to be working around them. Think about it. They had a history. They had a track record of judges. Samuel was still alive. They, they could have gone back and just said, Samuel, we want you to lead us. We want you to be our judge. But they didn't go back to first principles. They went to something else. Think about this. Every time a judge rose up in the book of Judges, there was a good leader. People followed him, not only the, the leader, but they recommitted their lives to devotion and obedience to God. When, when they did, other nations were conquered. Their lives were better. They prospered economically and militarily and, and all of these things. We see it over and over. They had seen the cycle play out generation after generation. They should have known that a return to God always means the elimination of corruption and the removal of oppression. They'd experienced this as a nation time and time again. So they had a history that told them what they should do. However, when they brought corruption and comparison together, they were blind to what had always worked, and they pressed in to what they thought would be a good change that would help them be more like everyone else. So what does this have to do with us today? In today's world where, as I've mentioned, corruption and comparison are everywhere, we are in danger of forgetting what has worked for generations and simply pursuing the latest, greatest thing or the newest ideology. No one wants to be in a corrupt society. No one. No one listening to this podcast goes, you know what would really help us more is a greater level of corruption. 
part of our DNA rejects injustice. That's why we get so offended when we see injustice on news reports or even in movies. We know it's not okay for corruption to keep going unchecked. And this frustration can lead us to that place of comparison. And when we combine these things, when we compare ourselves with other people's highlight reels, we forget what has been and we pursue this idea of a magic bullet. This new answer that's going to fix everything overnight. We want the answer now. We want a solution now. We want corruption to end now. This is why, by the way, testimony is so important. Not just in a church context, but in a private context. What testimony reminds us of is the fact that God is still our best option. His faithfulness in the past should inspire us to lean into his faithfulness today. He is more than we could possibly desire or imagine. He is so good. He is so faithful. His grace and mercy are new every single morning. This is why in testimony, we remind ourselves privately and corporately that there is something that has always worked. There is something that has always proved trustworthy and true, and his name is Jesus. But so with this thought, this this idea of bringing corruption and comparison together and it leading us to pursue a magic bullet, let me ask you a couple of reflective questions to close off today. Number one, what corruption in your world is frustrating you. None of us live corruption-free. All of us can identify some level of corruption in some space or arena. So what corruption in your world is frustrating you? Second question, what are you or who are you comparing yourself with? Because if you're frustrated and then you drive yourself to comparison, that's where the danger comes, right? That's where we begin to look for a silver bullet. So number one, what corruption in your world is frustrating you? Number two, what or who are you comparing yourself with? It might not even be an external thing. It might be simply internal and you're comparing yourself with who you thought you should be by now in your life. And then lastly, this third question, and this perhaps is where we, you might want to camp, you might want to meditate on this. If these two things have combined in your life, what magic bullet are you chasing after? What magic answer, what immediate solution is these two things driving you to? Because instead of taking you back to a place of first principles, corruption and comparison can combine to lead you to chase the magical bullet. And what I've seen in scripture, what I see in my life and the lives of those around us, is when we chase that magic bullet, when we chase that elusive, simple answer that's going to change everything overnight, we tend to remove God's processes from the equation. We remove the idea of discipleship. We just want it now. We want it um, in its best possible form. And so my, my encouragement to each and every single one of us today is don't chase it. Don't chase anything out of comparison and corruption. Rather, address corruption from a place of righteousness and justice. Eliminate comparison. And out of that place, seek God. Go back to the first principles. Go back to what has always worked for you and for those in your life. And may we see God do incredible things in our lives today. Pray this has inspired you and blessed you. Have an amazing day, everybody. And we will see you same time, same place next week.